Greetings and welcome to another week of The Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. AshleyMadison.com, a site that helps married people cheat and whose slogan is Life is Short, Have an Affair, was recently hacked and information on as many as 37 million people is now public. So this week on The Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg, we will not discuss the salacious details associated with this news, but we will be covering the security and, of course, governance issues that are associated with it. And, Ren, according to published reports on the Internet, the security arrangement on the site was pretty weak. It just seems like on a site like this, security would be a priority, don't you think? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Any <laughs> site that is going to contain uh, or house within it our personal identification information, we expect it to have at least um, rudimentary security. But on something like this, we expect security to be pretty high priority, um, very similar to our banks or our health institutions. We expect security to be a priority. Yeah. And it just wasn't. It, it, from what we've seen, um, it really just wasn't a consistent priority for AshleyMadison.com. Yeah, and, and I think before anybody feels smug about, you know, the karmic justice for cheaters, this could happen on other sites and hurt even more people, couldn't it? Of course. Um, I mentioned banks. You know, one of the things that people are talking about right now is Bank of America went from a two-step authentic authentication process, excuse me, mm-hmm. for when you log on to your Bank of America account. Now they've reduced it to one step, mm. which is in par with most banks, but it kind of made everybody go, huh, because everybody knows two-step authentication is actually more secure than one-step authentication. Yeah, that's right. Um, and along those lines, I guess if there is any upside, more organizations aren't going to think harder about security for their for their networks, don't you think? That's what the media keeps telling us the problem is. <laughs> We're not seeing it happen. And I think there's a couple of things that are going on. Um, one is the organizations are not fundamentally changing the way they um, do security, manage security, maintain their security, and most importantly, are not fundamentally changing how they respond to attacks. And there's using the same old waterfall methodology that has been tried and has failed and continues to fail. And as long as we continue to see them doing the same behavior over and over and over again, we're not going to see different results. Yeah, it's that old saying about the definition of crazy, doing the same thing over, expecting different results. and. And we're seeing a lot of that, haven't we? Because when yeah. you and I have talked about online and cybersecurity a few times on mm-hmm. this podcast, mm-hmm. and we keep seeing the same behaviors happening, um, there has not been a fundamental sea change. 
if you will, and how cybersecurity is being managed in a variety of different organizations and institutions. Yeah. Now, and you had mentioned banks, but what other organizations do you see that are at high risk of being hacked the way Ashley Madison was? Um, Online retailers, utility companies um, are especially vulnerable to front door and back door. Ashley Madison's was a back door attack, um, which means they didn't try and come in like a user would. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they came in the back door, and they got in through the corporate organizations systems to get their information. It's the same way that um, several retailers were hacked last year. They didn't go in through the credit card processing system. They went in the back door through the corporate systems to get the credit card information. Yeah, and let's just take a a quick minute to talk about governance for users. And I was astonished when I saw that so many people use their their work emails to register on Ashley Madison. What about those? Isn't that, wasn't that shocking? Yeah. Um, and to think what those employees of various institutions, including academic and government institutions, they were opening up the door to for, for hackers and people with malicious software to attack their place of business and where they work. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is kind of surprising that people are still doing that to this day mm-hmm. and are work, using work emails or unprotected emails for th- activities like that. And it's so easy because you sign up for a site like Ashley Madison, don't want to beat them into the ground, but you know any site like that, and they can send you emails with salacious software, salacious software um, embedded. And um, I mean, malicious, I don't know. Salacious seems to just come to mind when I think of that. Yeah. I apologize. Sure. But malicious software <laughs> that you can click in that email and it can be downloaded to your system and get into the company network, etc. It's clear that employers um, were exposed in this Ashley Madison attack as well and that their security protocols are weak. Because they should be catching those confirmation emails. Because mm-hmm. remember, every time you, you register, you get a confirmation email that goes to that email account. Yeah. And these employers, and there were hundreds of them, if not thousands, yeah. um, on this list of users. And those employers were not catching those confirmation emails and were allowing their systems to have a potential breach and a potential um very risky breach. So there really are, it's an interesting side of this uh, particular scandal that isn't being discussed, that the weakness in security wasn't just Ashley Madison, but also all these employers who allowed their system to be breached. Yeah, you're so right. And um, I can just, you know, see those confirmation emails. Thank you for registering at Ashley Madison. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, and salacious and malicious, those are kind of, I guess, <laughs> two sides of the same coin in this instance. So, um, yeah. It's, it's very definitely. So let's talk about people who who do very little, if any, business 
over the internet. There are still people who don't own a computer. They don't own a cell phone. Should they feel safe from cyber attacks? Up to an extent. It's pretty much impossible to live completely off the grid, right? Mm. You still have to use utilities. You still have to use the healthcare system. Right. Your personal information is in both those systems. And um, both have had breaches, security breaches over the years. Um, we all have to use banks, and banks have proven to be vulnerable, especially the last couple of years. Um, so as long as you're living in any part or portion of the modern world, there is a degree of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. The only question is, is it direct? Meaning you put yourself in that, um, you know, place of vulnerability or someone else puts you there. The truth is, um, other people put your, your personal information at risk, uh, from cyber attacks way more frequently than you probably ever could. Mm-hmm. Even if you're someone like me who's on the internet almost all the time. Yeah, that's kind of what I suspected, and you and you confirmed it. That and it didn't occur to me, but medical records. Everybody's doctor has their has their information on a computer someplace. Right. And, it's the upside. Uh, the, there's an upside to the law that requires that um, electronic medical records, and there's a downside, which is our records are now um, more accessible. Mm-hmm. to people who might do bad things with them. Yeah. Now, according to something that I read but frankly don't understand, the Ashley Madison website, um, which remains operational, by the way, uses something called Bcrypt algorithm or the Bcrypt algorithm that encrypts users' passwords and protects the site from what they describe as brute force search attacks. But... Even with this uh, hard-to-pronounce bit of security, um, something was amiss. What what went wrong for the owners of Ashley Madison? They um, put multiple locks on the front door and left the back door wide open. Okay. In the simplest terms as far as cyber security. Um, what they did was that... Um, they prevented anyone from hacking individual user accounts on their websites. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the probably most infamous person exposed in the scandal was um, Josh Duggar. Yes. Um, from 19 and Counting, I think is the name of the show. Yeah. Um, no one could get into his account and get his password and all that kind of stuff. But with a backdoor attack, they were able to get the names and email addresses, the very rudimentary and basic um, customer identification information, and publish that. And that's why we call it a backdoor attack. They didn't use the same, nowhere near the same level of security, to be honest with you, um, for protecting their corporate systems as they did the individual user accounts. It is um, unfortunate, but extremely common that companies are been doing this. And the risk, as we keep saying, and experts like myself keep saying to these companies, is the individual user accounts and protecting those individual user accounts, that's not where your risk is. Mm-hmm. 
your risk is these backdoor att- account these backdoor attacks that are going after the corporate systems. I'd much rather, and it's a lot more meaningful to me if I'm a hacker, most of which are sitting in certain parts of Africa, mm-hmm. China, and Russia. Um, those are the hot spots right now. Yeah. They move around the world, by the way, um, routinely, but those are the hot spots right now. And if I'm sitting in one of those areas, I don't care about a single account. One credit card, on average, is only going to get me $3,000. If I can hack into a retailer or I can hack into a bank, I can get a 100000 credit card. Yeah, that's I keep a lot having, more than three hundred dollars. Heck yeah, and <laughs> I keep having this prince from Nigeria write to me all the time, and then uh, you know I keep yeah, I keep and you've it. never seen your inheritance, have you? I never have. I never have. <laughs> Doggone it! Who knew? Okay, so for this and and other similar kinds of hacks, what's the significance? I mean, obviously, if they break into a bank and steal credit card information, okay, I, I can process that, but they steal, you know, my address and my phone my phone number. What happens? Then what? Well, for some cases, um, most cases, that isn't usually enough to steal your identity. Um, we usually need a lot more than that. Birth dates, partial social security number, Etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, this attack like this, and we've been seeing more and more of these. Um, for instance, there's been attempts in cyber attacks on Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. um, in other institutions. Ashley Madison was targeted because they're Ashley Madison, and yes. because of what they're believed, uh, the the type of um, moral uh, beliefs that they supposedly snub. Um, and that's one of the things that we're going to see a lot more of as um, institutions continue to not change how, like we talked about before, they're not changing how they're looking at cybersecurity or security in general, mm-hmm. and they're not changing their behaviors. As long as these institutions continue to operate in this old way, this old mentality, then we're going to see more and more of these types of very targeted attacks, and we're going to see more institutions that are considered personal or a political cause or some sort of social cause. We're going to see more of those attacked, which means more and more individuals, just like with Ashley Madison, individual privacy, individual just basic human and constitutional rights are going to be violated by these hackers. Yeah, that's such a, uh, a good word, or maybe good word's not the way to say it, but insightful word, because um, like you say, if uh, while the morality around breaking the law to expose people who granted participate in something that's morally um, reprehensible they actually didn't but the break thing the law with, but the, the hackers thing with did. Ashley Madison is that it isn't universally morally reprehensible fair enough not all yeah. marriages are exclusive and what we've found 
And, you know, science teaches us is about half of them aren't exclusive. But we still have some, we have a social uh, moray that says marriage by definition is exclusive. But when we look at the behaviors, we find that no, it isn't. And yeah. over human history, it rarely has been. Um, but so that, that's why this is cause hacking. This is somebody who had a mission, who was on a cause, and they believe that all marriage, there should be one single definition of marriage. Mm-hmm. It's exclusive. And so they're attacking people who either honestly or dishonestly <laughs> are not exclusive in their marriage. Yeah, well, you make a good point. We kind of have to ask ourselves as as individuals, and this is where I had a problem with, not really a problem with, but kind of questioned the rationale for so many in the media of publishing this extensive list of people, Mm -hmm. is that you're picking a side in a moral war when you do that. Should the media be picking sides? And do we as a people want to do that? Because today it's cheaters. What is it going to be tomorrow? I had a mammogram at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. If somebody hacks Planned Parenthood and gets a list of patients, my name will be on there. Right. Yeah. There are people who have been trying to do that in a way to expose women who have had abortions. My name is likely to be on that list, even though I've never had an abortion. Right. And that's the pain. things we're looking at right now from a, from a larger picture as far as, and it does come down to governance because this is about governance at a, at a governmental level, but also individual governance. Is this how we want to be treated? So everybody points at the cheaters. Oh, look at the cheaters. Yeah, what's in your closet? And what could somebody accuse you of? Because there are quite a few people on there who whose names were exposed, that their names were stolen by someone. Josh mm. Duggar, one of his accounts, he stole the name and the picture of another person. Oh, man. And that person's name was published on that list. Yeah, and... You you mentioned um, Planned Parenthood. There's there's gun owners. There's um, all different kinds of things that somebody with an axe to grind could get their get their hands on and do. And, and frankly, I just don't think it's any of. I don't. I never read the list because I just don't think it's any of my business. Yeah, I I didn't look at it either. That's I was, my personal governance. <laughs> well, it's right. I mean, and None of my business. And when it's in cyberspace, it lasts forever. And I didn't want those two words and my login to be in the same sentence. Never mind anything else. So right. let's let's say you you walk into an organization, and this one recruits subscribers, and they collect information from those subscribers about where they live and credit card numbers and all those kinds of things. What do you, Ren, what do you tell them to do that day? Um, The biggest thing is you need to start um, getting one group of people very focused. This is all they work on in cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. And they need to have almost carte blanche and um, Ashley Mans is a great example of this, paying a lot of attention to the front door, completely ignore the back door. 
if you had, and we've talked about this before, a scrum team, that's entire job is just your cybersecurity and looking at the cybersecurity of the entire organization. Um, one, you're not going to have your doors and windows open. Because mm-hmm. they're going to be looking at them. And I told you, we talked about this before, an organization that I went into, I formed this scrum team. The very first thing, and I don't think I told you this part, the okay. very first thing we found, and this was in a sophisticated financial institution, the very first thing we found were old fax machines that were on the network that were completely unmonitored. Oh, wow. That is just like, that's like putting breadcrumbs down to a hacker and saying, come on in. I mean, it, it, it was mind-boggling. It was so shocking that they, like, the team couldn't report it to me. They had they called me down and said, we need to talk to you in person because hmm. you need to know what we just found. Okay. And it wasn't one. It was a bunch of old fax machines and lines that were open. So that's... And that wasn't very long ago. Um, so it, it's, it's, we just, these things happen, and it's so easy as human beings to overlook them. But if you have a group that that's their job, they're going to find them. And we like to say, this is a saying, there's no hiding in Agile. That's right. It's going to be uncovered. It's going to be found eventually. The other thing is when then you have this team of people, these experts within your company that when somebody does try to attack you or they are successful, this group of people can easily pivot and start working on that um, issue, that problem, right away. There's no pause. You don't have to stand people up. You don't have to go and find people. You don't have to go out and bring in someone like me, an outside expert, and say, oh, God, what do we do? Right? You already have a team that that's what they're working on. And they go from every day, let's make everything as tight as possible, to, uh-oh, we got to fix this and we got to do it now. We talked about this, that, in terms of um, with uh, the when the retailers were hacked. And that it took them months to respond to the breach. Oh, that's right. Between when they knew it would happened to when they actually could do anything about it, it was months, and it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars because of that. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's really twofold. It's one, let's fix what's right in front of us. Two, let's make sure that we have a really defined plan to make sure this doesn't happen again. And if it does, three, we know exactly how we're going to react. There's no pause. Mm-hmm. We just roll right into it. Yeah. I, you've given me the name for my crisis management book I'm going to write. It's going to be called, Oh God, What Do We Do Now? So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. And, you know, you and I have talked about this privately, but not on here. It's like right. every once in a while I get a phone call and it's written, this just happened. Oh God, I don't know what to do. Oh yeah. yeah what do we do? The, it's the perfect and, name. And it's like, okay, first breathe. Okay, now tell me, <laughs> you know, let me talk through it. But the best gift that I give my clients is they don't have to say that phrase again and they don't have to feel that way oh, again it's, it's because we already so have a plan and everybody already knows if something happens this is exactly what we do and we pivot and we respond quickly there's no pause there's no need for panic because we already know 
right. exactly what to do. Yeah, that's that's such a good word. Um, and with the time we've got left, is is there any reason why anybody, for anyone to have any faith that their information is secure or will be kept secure or is Agile something that it's the path to a secure cyber future that we have to wait for? <sighs> Agile definitely, you know, the cyber security scrum teams that we've talked about definitely mm-hmm. huge leap forward to a secure future mm-hmm. today in present day. No, you should absolutely not have any faith that your information is secure. That's what I was not just in your own hands, which is what we tend to focus on. Um, but the truth is just as soon as it's out there, it's out of your control. Mm-hmm. And we've seen too many instances and we've seen a pattern um, of behavior, especially in these um, larger industries and institutions where they've had repeated breaches, they've been very slow to respond, so the breach has been very, and the attacks have been very su- huge, very successful. Mm-hmm. Three million accounts is extraordinary. Hundreds of millions lost in credit card transactions um, just this year. You know, it, it's, this is, this is in the billions that we're talking mm-hmm. about every year now just in the United States and globally it's also growing as a huge problem and so no you shouldn't have any faith you should be very cognizant that everything you do every interaction that you have with another company um, could be breached and you should seriously think about the degree to which you um compile your information. So the latest trend right now is e-wallets on your cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to have that much of your life on a single device? All your email, all your contacts, and all your financial transactions? Yeah, I'm not I'm using really it. Think about it. <laughs> because e-wallets, really, they're doing a lot to try and make them secure, but that's the front end. What are they doing for the back door? We don't know, yeah. and we've already seen with Apple, they've been breached. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to give Apple Pay your financial tra- additional financial transactions and a direct access to your bank account? Something that, that every person should think about. Well, that's such a good piece of advice and good rhetorical question and great way to segue into um, the end of our show and to remind everybody that if you want to be in touch with Rin or you want to see and read the latest from her to visit her website, which is RinMelberg.com. And one thing we've learned, um, Rin has a lot of listeners from all over the world. Running a close second to listeners here in the U.S. is Brazil. You have, Rin, quite a large audience in, in Brazil. <laughs> I do, and I wonder if I, if it's because I admitted that after the U.S., my favorite World Cup team is Brazil. <laughs> it could be. Um, I, like, hmm. <laughs> it could be. Um, 
I, I had never connected those dots until just now, but um, it's, it's remarkable because um, I get a chance to look at where the listeners from and the international audience is, is quite large. So for those of you who are listening in Brazil or other, other parts of the world, thank you for joining us. And remember to come back next week for another edition of The Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. <laughs>